Welcome to Creativity, the podcast where art and engineering collide. My name is Max Maker and this is my co-host, Jeremy S. Cook. Hi guys. Today we've got a, a really special guest named, named Becky Stern. She makes all kinds of things and currently works at Instructable. So, so Becky, how are, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself for those that might not be familiar? Uh, sure. My name is Becky Stern. Um, I'm the community product manager at Instructables, but I'm also a content creator. So you might have seen some of my tutorials on the internet, um, either on Instructables or uh, at Adafruit or for Make Magazine. So I've been working um, in like maker, like media around making things uh, since I dropped out of grad school in 2007, 2008. <laughs> so how is an average day like as a community product manager? At Instructables, what what do you actually do there? I do a lot of communications within the teams and like deciding what features and improvements we're going to work on next, and honestly, a lot of bug reporting too. But <laughs> um, translating between um, like what the community and uh, users of the site actually expect the site to do, and make sure that we're actually building those things. Okay, I, also I guess produce we want content, yeah. we want more prices for the contests. You want more prizes? Okay, great. Yeah, we would love uh, your suggestions for prizes. Anything you want, let us know. Well, I have plenty of t-shirts now. <laughs> oh, great. Well, you know, we just rolled out mugs. So <laughs> if you win... Well, I've an, got a stainless uh, steel mug. If I, you, I we have a new ago. ceramic mug that just came out. So if you, um, for those who do have lots of t-shirts, like this next ba couple batches of contests, you'll get mugs instead of t-shirts. Oh, and they're nice. nice. I, you can see I it on my part. Instagram, the new <laughs> ceramic mug with the tool logo and it's got uh, Instructables on one side and Autodesk on the other. Ah, nice. Very nice. We, we always take part yeah. if, if there's I, a good category. <laughs> Right on. Yeah. And we, we love anyone's suggestions for prizes. Um, but I, I also create content for the site. When I was hired in 2016, it was as a content creator. So um, I made um, a couple of the classes we have at instructables.com slash classes, including for Arduino, um, knitting, uh, jewelry making, Internet of solar. Things, and solar power. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Um, and that's just a, a couple. Of, we have like them in all different categories, machine sewing, woodworking, um, large motors, robotics, uh, home cooking, like all kinds of different maker skills. And so that's a big project I was involved with um, on the site that helps sort of connect, you know, because Instructables is a community site. So people post all kinds of tutorials, but say if I want to post an embroidery project, but I don't want to teach someone like square one of embroidering, I can just link over to my colleague Jesse's hand embroidery class. And like that's uh, keeps people, like gets people the information they need to um, execute on the projects they're inspired by. Nice. So, yeah, I mean, just, just seeing some of your content and stuff, it seems like you're a very, um, a very versatile maker. I mean, you make pretty much everything from IoT stuff to, to sewing to everything. Plywood cabinets. Yeah, I you can't cut. stop me. You can't. There's no craft I won't try. <laughs> I just, I just saw a video of you today where you made a plywood cabinet in your own apartment in New York. Well, you know, the apartments these days don't come with enough closets. And, and how did you manage with the dust? Uh, so my studio room that I'm sitting in right now has my computer, but I have like a dust shroud I can pull over my whole computer uh, to keep dust out of the fan. And then uh, then the, the shop goes into woodworking mode and the, it has a door. So I just do all the woodworking in the single room with the dust extractor on. Um, and it, I don't have like a wall unit. I just have one of those little Festool 
dust dust extractors i wear ppe so i'm wearing a dust mask i open the window when i can but it's 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 middle of winter right now so uh so we just sort of kept the dust in one room and when we were done sanding for the day we would like leave close the door let the dust settle come and vacuum and like so we would just adjust kind of like when we were in the space make sure we're wearing um protective equipment and then that way not too much dust got into the rest of the apartment you'd be surprised when you actually try, but yeah, this the single room <laughs> does like I, I don't try to dust regularly anymore because it just had sawdust. But I gotta say, like that's a big project we did, and it did take a couple weekend. The reason it took so long is because there were only certain times, uh, like oh, is this weekend gonna be the weekend I turn the shop into woodworking mode, which involves you know making sure everything's tidy in a way and uh, that I don't want to get covered in dust. So it did make it take a fair bit longer than it would have if we had dedicated workshop space. So, so you say that. So you live in you live in New York somewhere. Which borough do you live in exactly? Is I that... live in Brooklyn. Okay, so I, I assume your apartment's quite quite small, right? Not not to insult it, but that's just the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> as far as living spaces go in the U.S., my space is is smaller than your average American home. But um, I'm fortunate enough to live with a, a partner. We call ourselves what dual income, no kids. So right. uh, we have a fair <laughs> bit more space than some. Nice. Well, that's, that's good. Good to hear. And, um, and if you want to move to New York, she made a whole video about moving there with tips and tricks. Yeah. In my de more than a decade of experience moving very frequently, you learn uh, what's great and what's not yeah. so great. Why did nice. you move so often? Well, in college, it's because it was, you know, the, like the college year cycle where I'd move into a different dorm or I'd move away for the summer and then come back. But mm -hmm. um, a lot of times it was because the apartment ended up sucking or the landlord was going to, was doing something you don't like, or I also got hurricane sandied out of one apartment. It's just, it's, um, or like, um, or like, you know, living with partners, then I moved away to grad school. Then it's, 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 it's like when you don't find a place that you really like, you move a lot until you find a place you really like. So later on in my time in New York, I, I started staying in a place, you know, like three and a half years and then five years. And then I just moved about um, a year and change ago. And I don't, I hope to like make it longer than five years. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so, um, you, that because I made all these mistakes about like what landlord to pick. And um, also your needs change based on where you live and how much money you make. Yeah, I really like my parents' place. <laughs> yeah, no. I nice. like my parents' place too, but I wouldn't want to stay there all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speaking of that, I, I looked. Uh, you know, I was looking on your your bio and stuff. You're you're from Florida, Florida originally. Is that is that correct? I was born in Florida, but uh, okay. my parents moved when I was eight months old to Connecticut. So I was raised primarily in Connecticut. So yeah. That's that's smart. You don't claim Florida. I you know I don't I don't blame you. So. Wikipedia says Florida because that's physically where I was born, and my brother and sister remember going to elementary school there, but I don't remember anything about it. So okay, cool. Yeah, I'm from uh, the Tampa Bay area, so I thought I'd oh cool thought I'd mention they're they're from they were lived around Fort Lauderdale. Okay, very very neat. So so what um, was in Connecticut that wasn't in Florida? Um, 
Yeah, that's a good question. Without being disparaging to Florida, in in the U.S., we like to joke. <laughs> Florida is the brunt of a lot of jokes. So, um, so I, I would know. say to make the obvious joke would be like, "What isn't?" But um, <laughs> the practical <laughs> answer is that my dad got a better job at a newspaper in Connecticut. My dad was a lifelong um, newspaper editor, so he he got a job at the Hartford Current, and he worked there from when um, we moved there when I was eight months old to when he retired just a few years ago. So. Um, okay. Very nice. Yeah, yeah we do. A our, good, we do a good take job our, um, at a newspaper. We do take the uh, fair share of uh, jokes here, so you know that's okay. But on the other hand, my wife took the kids to the beach yesterday, so I guess <laughs> I guess there is that. <laughs> <laughs> and did you have time to go to the workshop because of that? You know, I because I, uh, oh because you were in because of what your geography. Oh, no, because the wife and kids were uh, away at the beach, I guess. Oh, But, because uh, you were relieved of uh, family duties. Right. No, I um, I think I had to work on some writing stuff. I was, I've been pretty busy with actual work work these days. <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> that, that's, a good, that's a good and a bad thing, I guess. I, it sounds like you're, you're pretty busy with your other, other business, too. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm building and building and building because, you know, I make draw slides for caravans. And now is the season for everybody to get ready for the summer. And then... Uh, October, no, late August, we have this uh, caravan show where people order their caravans and now they're rolling out of the factory. So everybody wants their products now. So yeah, I'm just working on that and I can't work on all my other YouTube and maker projects, unfortunately. <laughs> and hopefully in a few weeks, they'll be over and I've got more time. Sure, sure. That kind of brings us to the section of uh, what have you been working on this week? Becky. Well, I just got back from a business trip. The Instructables team was doing some planning meetings in Palm Springs. So now that I'm recovered from that, the, the trip itself was really good. The travel was kind of stinky because it's February and air travel. But um, <laughs> I've been working, I've been trying to finish this um, video and tutorial about this embroidery project that I made. And it's it's taking a long time because of various delays. I finished the project itself months ago. Um, it's It was a wedding gift for a close friend of mine where I took his in, uh, wedding portraits and um, made like an embroidered portrait of him and his wife. And um, it's real sweet and dainty and small and involves a lot of French knots for her curly hair. And um, it's adorable, but I, um, I've been hemming and hawing about like how I want the video to be. And also just um, I have to be in the right mood to sit down and edit. And I haven't been in that mood lately and I've been busy traveling. So mm, Working on it is like a stretch. I've been thinking about working on it, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'll finish it this weekend. So by the time you publish your podcast, it hopefully will be the thing oh. people see when they like come to my page. They'll be like, oh, it's out. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we usually publish these podcasts within, what, a couple hours of recording them, right, Max? Oh, well, then yeah, that's exactly. okay. Then you'll see it soon. Subscribe to my channel, and it'll be the next thing that comes out. No, I won't entirely. <laughs> Getting it maybe takes <laughs> might take a little longer than that, but um, uh, yeah. What, what about, How about you, Max? you? What are you working on? Yeah, uh, you know, besides besides your cabinets, anything anything else going going on? Oh me, uh, yeah. well, yeah. Uh, I was traveling a lot uh, for yeah. We've got this building site still. Um, that's a lot of work right now. And yeah, I, I couldn't really finish a lot. You know, I built this uh, belt sender a few weeks ago, just like on two afternoons. And I had all these parts left over and I had them for years. And I was, I always said, oh, this is perfect for when I build this belt sender. And now it's finished. 
And the first time I was really using it, I burned out one of the coils because the start capacitor of that motor didn't disengage. Uh. Um, yeah, it smelled really horrible. And I just took it and dumped it in the garden. And I'm going to throw it away entirely because without the motor, everything is based around the motor. All the other stuff that I added to it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so that was a complete failure. Because, yeah, the, the, the motor is the base of this machine. So it was just a waste of time, waste of a project. <laughs> That's a shame. Well, only up from there, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I will just auction one for from from a, some uh, insolvent company. They, we have these auctions in Germany, and hopefully I get one there. <laughs> you know, I need where in Germany a... do you live? Uh, near Hamburg, uh, north of Germany. Oh, that's right. No, I remember listening to a previous episode and actually finding out that you're from Lübeck, but you say you're from yeah. Hamburg because it's more yeah. recognizable and people don't know where <laughs> Lübeck is. But you know what? One of my favorite candies is marzipan. And my sister really? my sister went to school in Hamburg for grad school and then she lived in Kiel for a couple of years. So when I that's would go visit her, born. we would go up and visit her and we took the train to Lübeck because it's a less podunk town than Kiel and we would get the marzipan. So... I've Can't been there it. and wow. it's delicious. <laughs> I had some yesterday. Mm. Nice. For those who don't know, marzipan is like uh, crushed elements with, yeah, like an element paste with chocolate around. Yeah, it's almond and sugar paste and then often shrouded in chocolate and sometimes flavored different. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, that's, that's a real big coincidence that you know my hometown. <laughs> well, they claim to have invented marzipan and any self-respecting marzipan fan knows where they claim to have invented marzipan. Yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess. But. <laughs> I've never made it. Anyway, Jeremy, what have you been working on this week? <laughs> so I, I guess, uh, like, you know, like I said, I've been pretty busy with, uh, I guess, work, work. But um, it kind of the thing I've been working on, I, I made this uh, <clears throat> made this button launcher for like promotional buttons and stuff. So you, you know, like the things that you stick in your shirt or backpack or whatever. Well, as it just so happened, I went to an engineering show, a USF uh, engineering show, and it ended up breaking. Some kids kept pushing it, which is great. But um, the cool thing is, Everything was 3D printed. The slide was just 3D printed, so I just kind of printed, redesigned it and printed another one up. So that's kind of what I've been working on right now. I guess longer term, I've got a um, got a multi-zone clock I'm trying to work on, with that, which uses servos to turn everything around. Um, and my only concern with this is I'm thinking it might get kind of hot after a while, so i gotta got to really figure things out. So we, you know, like, like, um, like Max or you even, Becky, it's just seems like everything's in a state of uh, state of almost done, you know, kind of working <laughs> on thinking about, you know what I mean? Well, it's that last like 15% takes like 85% of the time. Oh, yeah. That's I usually know. my experience of a project. Because, you know, it's not just you know, like it takes that much time, but it's also, I just feel like the start of it, you're so excited. But then like that last, like you said, like that last 15%, you're not quite as excited, but it's that percent. It's like you just got to get it done so you can put a video out or, or whatever and actually have something to show for it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess that's my that's my feeling on it. <laughs> um, so why do you think the servos would overheat? Well, I, I guess part of the reason was I, I was kind of limited in my I.O. from my. Um, well, no, you know what? Thinking about it now because I haven't worked on it in a couple of weeks. Anyway, I made another servo-based design, this um, this thing that you disparagingly call a Roomba that uses servos in the bottom. <laughs> and I noticed that was just way overheating, uses the same sort of 
sort of servos. Some not servos, steppers. So I'm thinking maybe steppers. Steppers. Was I saying servos? Anyway, servos. Yeah. Yes. I yeah. was wondering also what is with your servos overheating, but steppers overheating. You yeah, know, but with steppers, you could just disable them in between. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so it's your code. Your code is overheating them. That's true. Uh, that's true. It's um. I don't know. Just a few things I need to rethink on it. And other thing with that is that clock is it uses the easy easy driver boards, easy stepper boards. And um, the thing is, it seems to be when it goes from disabled to enabled, the, the steppers jump around just a little bit. So for a mm-hmm. clock, this obviously isn't going to be a might be a problem. So anyway, just a few things I have to think about before it's probably entirely done. But, I had a lot of issues with A4988, these stepper drivers, because I don't, still don't know what it was. But in a number of projects, I had the same issue that uh, they sometimes were unresponsive or it was there was some jittering and stuff like that. And I think that was just because of the breadboard connection that somehow I had some loose wires in the breadboard. So now I started to use... Uh, the RAMS 1.4, which is like the standard board that everybody uses in their 3D printers. And the nice okay. thing about that is it comes with yeah plug-and-play capability of up to five servos and a display and a button. So there's everything there that you need for a typical project without having to do any soldering. Oh, that's nice. Maybe I'll have to switch things around a little bit. I've, I'm to the point where I feel like I need to just go ahead and try it and see if it works. But that's... Um... That's really not a bad idea. Probably would have saved me a little bit of money along the way too. <laughs> so, um, it's hard to know. Like I don't know. I have a lot of students who work with who get really frustrated with stepper motor projects because there's there's a lot of unknown unknowns about what they're trying. Yeah, that's true. And then you've got the uh, you know micro stepping. What is it? You've got micro stepping. So it's well, it's just micro a quarter, yeah. half, an eighth. Right. There's a lot of a lot of stuff to know. It's it is funny, you know, you know, I I do technical writing, you know, kind of you know, just about people's projects and stuff, and a lot of the time it's just I'm researching, 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 and even for personal projects, and I just think, you know, at some point I'm gonna you know, you at some point you would think I would have learned everything, but it's just, you know, every day it's just like there's more and more stuff to learn about <laughs> everything and it's I guess it's both the exciting thing and the frustrating thing. You just wonder if everybody else is somehow somehow gets it, and you're the one that's struggling. But I think that's I think that's just the natural state of things. Yeah, it's so. natural to think that your suffering is unique, but actually, statistically, it's got to be really common, right? I think that's what makes me good at looking in forums because I'm like, someone has had to have this problem before. <laughs> yeah, well, that's <laughs> has uh, to be. It's uh, perfect for your job, I guess. I mean, you're you're pretty much you're pretty much the uh, overseer of that kind of thing at Instructables, right? That's kind of your your purview. Is that is that correct? I don't I don't want to uh, put words in your mouth. Sure, sure. I mean, yeah, I know. I do a lot of I wear a lot of hats. Um, I'm not sure exactly what job responsibilities you're referring to, but it's true that I um, am a like a permanent uh, enthusiastic novice. Right, right. Well, what I was wondering about uh, your your project, some of your electronics projects, you don't. I, I didn't see you use a lot of Arduino. It was always some other kind of board. Uh, wh- why is that? I'm using Arduino compatibles. I mean, I rarely use anything. Like I'm always coding in Arduino. So whatever boards you saw, we're running Arduino code. I like I very rarely will do like a Raspberry Pi project or a project that involves programming that's not Arduino. 
but um, I will use, I mean, I worked at Adafruit for four years and I, <laughs> you know, like I'm very familiar with their product catalog and have a lot of their, their hardware um, and they make the best small embeddable boards with LiPoly recharging right now, right? Like you want an ESP8266, but you want LiPoly rechargeable, great. Use the Feather um, ESP8266, Feather Huzzah or the Feather Huzzah ESP32 or whatever. So, or the Node MCU. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of Arduino, official Arduino, and I've heard their MKR boards are really nice. I just haven't had a chance to try them because I have too many spare you know, uh, Adafruit boards sitting around. But yeah, okay, I primarily so code am, in am Arduino. Am I missing out on, on, on using only Arduinos? I'm not sure. You're in Could... Europe, so they're manufactured in Europe. Well, mine are from China. <laughs> yeah, I'm confused by what you mean by Arduino then, if you're well, talking about yours being manufactured in China, because official Arduinos are manufactured in Italy. Yeah, yeah okay. I mean, the, the knockoffs, the... Uh... You know, I, I use Arduino Micros or Unos or uh-huh. the Mega. And um, for official projects, I use the, you know, the real deal. It costs like, I don't know, 20 to 40 euros. And uh, for troubleshooting and um, setting up projects, I use the cheap knockoffs because I often, you know, burn one and fry them. So Yeah, they're, sure. They're, so, I mean, really so we're cheap. on the same page. Like I use, I, I use largely Arduino. I guess your question was about the programming, right? It was about using the Arduino environment. No, it, it, was, it was about the boards. There, there are oh, some okay. other boards like the, um, I don't, I can't come up with the names, but they kind of look like they're Arduinos, but they're not really Arduinos. They have different names entirely, <laughs> but they have kind of the same pins. Hmm. Are you talking about boards I use or boards that you've oh, seen? Oh, yeah, the edit boards you like. For example, this yeah. thing you did in your XP. Uh, there was oh, like the XP radio project. Okay, that's an outlier for sure because that didn't involve any programming at all. Um, actually, the, and the, the, the Arduino programming involved, like the XP part of it, there was no XP. There was removing an XP and using the XP power supply as a power supply <laughs> for an Arduino-compatible board. <laughs> um, so I was playing a prank on a neighbor um, a really, really um, unpleasant neighbor, <laughs> and uh, at my last apartment building, and um, the building had these uh, f- what to call it XB repeaters uh, in all of the like trash chute rooms, and it was to mesh together the smart radiator cover. So if you look at my YouTube channel a while ago, you'll f- and you look for the smart radiator cover video, you'll see this. Uh, I made this video about this thing and this company that put radiator covers in my apartment building and a couple of other pilots they started out as a pilot program and then expanded to other buildings uh it's like a steam heat retrofit technology and it's actually really cool it saves the buildings um heating oil costs by up to i don't know like 30 percent or something by um covering the radiators and um, they have a little temperature sensor optical temperature sensor that faces the room a little fan and a um microcontroller running that stuff and an XB radio to mesh with all the other radiator covers down to the basement where the boiler is and it'll control the boiler. So if you live in an old city, you'll know that steam heat is like, it's not very efficient. If if it's hot in um, my apartment, it might not be hot in the apartment, like up at the top floor. So they have to keep cranking the heat up until the last person stops complaining, which means that people (laughs) often get like have to open their windows. I know it's a very round roundabout story to get to the point that my building had these XB repeaters all over it. And I knew a lot about how the system worked because of um, the additional investigative reporting I did on once they started putting them in my building. And um, (laughs) 
so I look in the trash and and I was writing this Internet of Things class for instructables uh, using the ESP eighty two sixty six as its uh, platform. That's which is the one. Arduino compatible. Yeah, that's That's not an Arduino. That's something different, but it does the same thing. Correct. It is a microcontroller capable of running Arduino code that has a built-in wireless uh, radio in it. Oh, that's that's all it is. It's an Arduino with a radio in. Yeah. But you can run, the ESP8266 can also run alternative firmware. So you can write in a coding, scripting language called Lua on the ESP8266 as well. So it just like the, the the M0 or whatever can run Python or Arduino, like the ESP8266 is not bound to Arduino, but that's how I use it. Okay, so next time, instead of using an Arduino and this little Wi-Fi remote, I just buy that thing and right. it's all... Into, okay. Yeah, and if you don't need wireless charge, or if you don't need um, live poly charging, you can get the, the board called the Node MCU and they're like $10 for two. And shipped straight from China or whatever, and you'll get your there's a, like there are a dime a dozen. But if you want the live poly charging, like I really recommend the Adafruit Feather Huzzah, which is a bit pricier, but it's really great for like leaving embedded in a project. Anyway, so I didn't need the battery battery recharging for this project. I just I just found this repeater in my trash chute room that all it is is a like a DC power AC to DC power supply that's powering an XB radio and. All the XB radio is doing is is trying to help the signal get like around the corners of the building and down to the basement, right? Because not every single person would allow the people to come and install these radiator covers, and they're trying to create a mesh network for the whole building. So, I just took one and I opened it up and I replaced the XB radio with an ESP eighty two sixty six. So, and the program that it was running was um was just broadcasting an SSID, like a a, ne- a wireless network name, a password protected network. Um, and the, the whole point was just to make my neighbor feel, um, ma- make her friends know that she's not liked. And I know it's not a very like savory, I don't usually tell this <laughs> st- story for like without telling the preface, but I, like my neighbor is very, very unpleasant to me. And um, and like I said, I was doing this research <laughs> what, about how, the internet of things. It was just, so she has an Apple router and it was just like her first name's uh, Wi-Fi network, the default, you know, like the default Apple router name and so i just made my network like her first name is not neighborly so that like it would show up right next to hers in the ss in the uh in the list so that when her i mean it's very elaborate i know and i like i had a lot of time to think about it and trust me i was using this research for work so it was i was just playing around and trying to do stuff but uh it, it i also like knew that you could be sued for libel if you're if you say i like right now i live above a food store if i made an ssid that said something disparaging about the food store that was like visible to people in the food store. Like that's, that's illegal, especially if, I mean, if it's not true, it's illegal. So, um, I I had to make sure I had to make sure it's, no, please don't say his name. (laughs) I had to make sure it was true and, and, um, not inflammatory. So she, she's not neighborly is the name of the SSAD. So hopefully when her neighbors show up and they look to get on her Wi-Fi, they see, um, this other Wi-Fi network, and they know that like her, na- she's not very neighborly, which is true. <laughs> she's not very neighborly. It was about her do- off-leash dog. She kept li- letting her little dog off-leash, and it was not fair to me and my bigger dog. Huh. Interesting. And she was you, mean about it. That's you, the that's the whole. That's the you, short story. You handled story. that situation very well, I would say. With with only my best passive aggressive uh, technology <laughs> tendencies, but that's the only project you've seen on my channel with an XP radio in it, and it involved me removing an XP radio from something <laughs> in order to not use it. But um, 
And, Arduino and, is my coding language of choice. And, and what is a Teensy? Because I won one in an Instructable contest. Same deal. It's a microcontroller that's capable of running Arduino code, but also capable of it's or just a it's just a Barry VR, so you can just program program it. Yeah. Is it it's better? Arduino compatible. It's faster. Oh, okay. Well. And yeah, the Teensy has a lot of processing power. It's super tiny too, right? So I guess that's uh, no. I'm the name, as the name implies. <laughs> it's just just as big as a micro, so. <laughs> but it has more. It's faster. It's, okay. about, it's all about the microcontroller board that's on there. And then um, the Teensy folks, uh, more advanced users like to use the Teensy. They can program it straight from the command line using AVR Dude and um, circumvent the Arduino um, overhead, they consider it. but. Okay, I, I guess one of the, I think one of the issues with this whole Arduino stuff is that it's all developed by electronics and programming experts, you know. You wouldn't put somebody <laughs> like me in charge of that, but I'm the one that's going to use it later. Well, Arduino was designed by, with, by, and for designers. So I disagree with what you're saying there a little bit. The Teensy, for sure, was developed as a by more advanced engineers. But but the Arduino like itself, in 2005, born out of the Design Institute of Ivrea in Italy, was about like how do we make a platform that designers and artists can more easily uh, use to integrate yeah, oh, electronics sure. it, into their it, It's projects. definitely the easiest thing out there. But I still think it would be... Great, like, you know, like Wi-Fi communication. I, I had it set up by, for my hydrofoil, I'm building like a surfboard um, with a motor inside. And I want the remote control to um, communicate between two Arduinos. It's just to send a signal across, you know, trigger uh, the accelerator or not. And setting it up was far too complicated, at least for my knowledge at the time. So I had a friend do it for me. Um, well, it, there's all different like scales, right? So that sounded sound without knowing the specifics of the project. Uh, like I would um, question whether it was the the right tool for the job because they're like without be, being a beginner, Arduino is definitely the easiest like electronics platform to dip your toe into. But it's mm -hmm. not the easiest thing to build a remote control with. There are like dumber circuits that only communicate high and low signals rather than like a serial communication or 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 wireless like uh, like Wi-Fi is way overkill for a lot of people too. So a lot of times you just want like oh I just transmitted this one button press. Well, you can use a straight up RF remote that works just like a like a button on your Arduino versus like having to code for um, communication serial communication across so but a lot of beginners don't know what exists so um hopefully places like the instructables classes site help people because they can dig around in the basic electronics class and then hop over to the arduino class and sort of like see what the differences are mm -hmm. oh yeah instructables definitely helps out in a lot of projects I, I use it every time when i want to build something like how did other people make this before me <laughs> yeah definitely helpful and and by the way, speaking of that, that um, I guess your latest project, the one with the the hoods and the um, the light up eyes, I thought that was very clever. The way you coordinated the two, the two suits with RF remote, just a single remote. It was, I, I don't know, it was just so. Um, Thanks. Yeah. You know, like you said, you don't you don't always need a real. I, I think maybe some people's probably mine at first instinct would be to, well, you know, how do I sync these both up with Wi Fi and yada yada yada? But you can just use a single single on off remote like a key fob i thought that was that was really uh, anyway just a good good use of technology Thanks. yeah i mean i that's a good example of what i'm talking about where it's like you want the two um neopixel 
uh, costume eyes that are that are connected to two different people to change at the same time. Well, if you use the like, it's he's talking about like the garage door opener type um, RF module you can get that has four. It's like a fob uh, key fob with four buttons and uh, like a little. Uh, circuit board. Uh, the other component is a bare circuit board that receives the signal, and they're all on the same channel. So if you uh, buy two of the circuit boards and one of the key fobs, then the key fob will send the signal to both of them simultaneously, and all it does, sends is a high high signal that you can read with an Arduino, just like a, a push button. So um, that that along with some code to um, some interrupt code is what uh, allows the two wireless receivers to react to the one remote um, on that Arduino project. Yeah, thought it was cool. You know, don't, no need to overthink something like that. It's just, you know, just a remote. So got a couple yeah, of those. The nice thing about the key fob is that it already has a housing. So no need to 3D print nice anything. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Easy way to replace the batteries. Got a, got a couple of those in my parts bin. So I guess I need to probably need to break those out at some point. They're really fun and easy to use. I, like, I highly recommend if you have kids, you can do experiments with kids where you like you test out the range. You know, you build a breadboard for the build receiver a shock with, the, with, with some <laughs> LEDs. Oh my gosh, not for your children. <laughs> and I don't recommend building wearables for pets because it's uh, especially not for beginners because you can't feel what your pet is experiencing. So that's if the battery point. overheats or whatever, um, that's it's an extra liability. If it's a human who can communicate, even a smallish <laughs> child, it's safer than a pet who can't communicate at all. You know, you know, my, uh, I'm sure, sure he's not the first person to do that, but I, one of my, my cousin said he actually put a shock collar on and tried it out and he said it was not, not much fun. So it's not that bad. No, I mean, it depends. I had one for oh, my dog. I have a pit bull and she, uh, at the park, she, when I first got her, she was, she would jump on anybody who had one of these like ball launching sticks. It's kind of like a, <laughs> like, it's kind of like a, like an ice cream scoop on a long yeah. handle. Yeah, yeah. And so you can use it to pick up the ball without crouching. And you can also use it to like launch the ball really far. And, um, and you great also product. like don't have to touch the ball when, yeah, it's a great product. <laughs> we didn't have one. We just see people at the park and my dog is off leash at the park running around and she gets so excited that she would jump on people who had this toy because she loved balls <laughs> and she'd get really excited. So we got her a shot collar to stop her from jumping on randos at the park. And um, you better believe I tried it before I'm going to put that thing on my dog. Oh, so you and tried it had, it, um, it was completely adjustable though, the, the okay. amount of um, shock. So I didn't try it on very high and, um, Sure. Was um, pretty timid about using it at first, but my dog's nerve endings. Are, she's pretty hard to offend, both physically and mentally. So nice. yeah. it works. She doesn't. She doesn't need it anymore. She doesn't jump on anybody at the park anymore. That's good. <laughs> so she. Uh, I, I, I was just saying we we have a. Um, we don't tell our neighbors, but our dog I think is part. I don't. Know, so is it a, a full pit bull or is it a um, little mix or? Yeah, I mean she's a rescue, so we don't know. But there's she doesn't look like she's mixed with anything else. Okay. It's. Uh, I, th I feel like. Our, our dog, she looks like a looks like a lab or something, but you know we know that her mom was a pit bull. We don't tell our neighbors that, but it's like you know people get like, I don't know, weird about it about those dogs for some reason. I guess they have a bad reputation, but it's it's undeserved as far as like human injuries are concerned. They're they're they were bred to be dog fighting dogs, right? So they they have dog on dog aggression more than naturally more than other dogs, but they 
not towards humans. So if you, the people often confuse them with the same kind of um, human aggression you might get from a human protection dog, like a Rottweiler or a German Shepherd or a Rhodesian Ridgeback or something. Right. Some dogs that were bred for human hu- to protect humans against other humans, but pitbulls were <laughs> bred to be like coached in the dog fighting ring by humans. So you you better believe they're not going to breed fighting dogs who bite their owners. Um, and you really have to. I think you have to uh, train them pretty hard to get them to or abuse them to get to get them to naturally be mean to people. Right. So um, well, I'm, I'm all about proselytizing the actual, like what they actually deserve a bad rap for, which is dog on dog and what they don't deserve a bad rap for, which is dog on human. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, if I ever see one, I, they always seem like really sweet dogs, you know, if they're really, if they're, if they're well-trained, you know, and it's, um, yeah. you know, ours is really sweet too. But now that you mentioned it, she's a little bit, more friendly to humans than she is to, to dogs. So that's, that actually makes a lot of sense. Well, I mean, dogs are pack animals, right? So if you breed out their instincts to be nice to their other pack members, like what are they going to do? They, then they look at humans as their pack members more than they look at other dogs as their pack members. So it can be more challenging for them to form meaningful relationships with other dogs. Um, and their body language certainly doesn't help them. Like my dog, her ears stand up and she kind of stares when she's excited and, and it doesn't mean that she's going to be aggressive, but the other dogs certainly like uh, interpret it that way. And it makes the situation more tense and anything that escalates the situation is uh, not so great. So it, you know, she doesn't mean anything by it necessarily, but yeah, yeah there's, there's, there's the challenges in owning every, any different type of dog. And my pit bull is super sweet. Any pit bull I've ever met has been <laughs> very sweet to humans and exceedingly loving and, um, but they are in the city there or anywhere. I imagine there is just a little bit more challenging than having like a little fluffy dog, but yeah, sure. I love her anyway. Well, the good thing is ours is a, uh, a mutt. So she looks like, I mean, <clears throat> she, she looks like a lab, but she, you know, it's like, we're pretty sure she's not quite a lab. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, my dog, uh, she, when I put a sweater on her, like everybody's reaction is much, much different. She gets touched a lot more by strangers uh, walking on the street when she's wearing her cute sweater that I knit for her. I think it's just like disarming, right? It's like, oh, like someone loves you enough to make you a sweater or buy you a sweater. In this case, I made the sweater. But, um, and it also covers up her big muscly chest, right? right. So if all you can see is her cute ears and uh, her cute sweater, then she it's, it's like obviously largely optics related. It's not even related to her behavior. So um, she she doesn't mind. She just, when she's outside, she just wants to sniff. She doesn't even really care about random people trying to touch her. Yeah. Um, well, that's. But it's funny how much how much different the the reaction is from your average um, like parent walking with child, for instance, um, <laughs> when the dog's wearing a sweater versus not. But I also my dog because she's kind of tough looking. She's helped me make friends with people in my neighborhood I never would have talked to otherwise. People who I might have been afraid of, who look kind of thuggish, maybe who I would be afraid to pass by at nighttime if I didn't have my dog with me. Instead, they say things like, "Oh, my cousin has a dog who looks just like your dog. How old is she? Like, what's her favorite trick? You know?" And now we're talking about my dog at, and and I'm now I'm no longer afraid of this person. And the next time I see him, we're buddies. So, uh, it's really, uh, quite a, uh, to have a pit bull in New York city is quite a co- cross cultural experience <laughs> and a, a good one. Nice. Nice. Now, um, yeah, you knew, you mentioned you, you knitted a sweater for him. Now there was another, another project I thought was really cool that you actually knitted a, it was like what a privacy sweater seemed like that one got a lot of a lot of attention. That was a long time ago. That's my most internet famous project. Yeah, it's about, it's a little over a decade old at this point. My laptop CompuBody sock. It's one of my first instructables, which is cool. Um, it, 
I was in Arizona in grad school and um, I was working in an in air conditioned cubicle office space and my fingers were cold. It was like hot outside because it was, it was in Arizona, but it was like over air conditioned inside. So I made this like little, it was supposed to be a keyboard cozy. And if you look at the project page, you'll see like photos of it in its early stages. It only covers the keyboard. And then um, like most knitters could uh, corroborate my story. Once you start, you, you have a hard time stopping. Knitting is really addictive and fun. So um, I, I knit the like the cozy over the keyboard and then I kind of just kept knitting and it envelops the face and the screen of the computer <laughs> together. And I think a lot of people like it because they see, I mean, it was made as like a, it's not a, it's not a real thing, right? It's not a thing you ac actually use. It's a thing I took photos of and it's more like a sculpture and I've exhibited as sculpture in the past where I like create a, um, put it on a mannequin in an art exhibit, right? Um, <laughs> It's not, it overheats your computer right away. It's hard to see what's going on. Your face gets really hot because your breath kind of builds up inside. And um, and the reason I think a lot of people think it's funny is because of the, it, like highlights that attention space where you're not paying attention or it creates a private space where you, where previously you might've been in a public space. And a lot of people make a joke about porn, like watch, oh, you could watch porn on that. And um <laughs> Like any true great art piece, it's in the eye of the beholder, right? So I obviously wasn't, not maybe not obviously, but I was not thinking of that when I created it. But the fact that other people see so many funny things in it is, I think, what puts it squarely in the realm of art and sculpture. And the fact that people do occasionally ask me if they can commission one as a gag gift, like doesn't deter me from calling it art and sculpture. I, instead of writing them back and saying, it's art, Ah, oh, why? Like I just ignore them instead. <laughs> they don't get it, or maybe they do. I, I bet they me. won't won't uh, give you a lot of money for it either. When, well, when do you remember this site called Regretsy? It was a blog about like regretful things oh, that yeah. this one person would find on Etsy. Right. Uh, <laughs> it was a really really good blog, and and I think the woman who who made it then published a book and then moved on with her life. Uh, so it's not <laughs> up anymore. But it, it used to be like. Uh, oh my gosh, if my stuff ever got featured on Regretsy, that would be like making it in a certain sort of <laughs> kitsch way, right? And the, Etsy used to have this feature called, um, I don't remember what it was called. It was where you could put, uh, you could bid, you could put up a proposal for something. Like I want somebody to embroider my wedding napkins. I want them to look like, here are my inspiration images. And then people could come and like bid on the project. Um, and like bid on custom orders to people. It would connect like desires for custom orders and people who would want to do those custom orders, so like a marketplace. And this feature doesn't exist anymore, but somebody put up a photo of my laptop CompuBody sock and was like, I, I want somebody to make me one of these <laughs> um, for at, for $40. Oh, and, yeah. and so, yeah, right. I know. It's, like add, add it's another a lot zero to that, please. Well, a couple more zeros. <laughs> and the, the, I mean, if we're talking about time, <laughs> the, what happened is then that request post got put on Regretsy. Like who would request such a silly object to be custom made for them? And I was like, yes, I've made it. <laughs> my work is on Regretsy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's definitely my most internet famous project uh, to date. And uh, it's so much even so that like when I was working at Make Magazine short and it's like second or third round of the images being shared, uh, my but the editor of the magazine at the time, Mark Frauenfelder, who was, you know, like all of our bosses, essentially, he I was writing for the make and craft blogs and he would he sent me an email with with 
a link to like the photo of my sweater and was like, this would be great for the craft blog. <laughs> and I'm like, Mark, I made that. And I blogged it when I made it like two years ago. Here's the link. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, no wonder why I thought you would like it so much. <laughs> so that's definitely happened. Uh, come around a couple times and it's really fun to have a, any project like that because then you know uh, a lot more you learn more about like the cycles of media on the internet <laughs> than I ever wanted to so well I one guy asked me a few weeks ago uh, on one of my YouTube videos I made like a juice press out of a you know eight ton jack and some plywood and steel rods and the video is, is called like a $40 juice press because that's what I paid for the materials <laughs> and now this guy said to me Uh, you said it costs forty dollars in materials. I'm completely willing to buy a fully made one from you for eighty dollars. And as I like, take a guess how much time this takes me. And I don't know, maybe a couple of days. <laughs> But no, yeah. you, you know how, how it works, right? So, so yeah, yeah he, he, even by his estimate, he valued my time at five dollars an hour. Oh, well, that, that's People don't than, think about it that way, though. They don't think about it. That's, that's yeah. better than many proposals I've gotten. That's, you know, that's, that's why I love making videos, though, because if I can make a video that, um, you know, a couple thousand people will watch, then I feel like the time I spend on it um, is more valuable than if I were spending time making a custom commission for one person. Yeah, true. Yeah. I made like a little kayak card for a friend of mine and she just paid for the materials, maybe 20 or 30 euros. Um, but the video made me probably 20 euros as well. So at the end, it was worth doing it, building it myself. But it wouldn't have go. been worth if I just built it for her. Yeah, right. If you be without the media around it, right? So I, I will often also like engage in a collaboration with a friend where like the project itself, if I were to do it and not publish it, would would not be like where worth my time more than the favor I'm willing to do the friend, but it I'm willing to, or I'm able to like up the ante on the favors I'm willing to do for friends. If I can also create a tutorial about it, um, because then, um, it becomes work, work. Like I, not only am I privileged to work for a company that, um, values my content creation as part of my job, but, um, also like the, the satisfaction and the affiliate links, right? If you, if I can, make a, like I made a 3D printer filament dry box. All it is is a gasketed plastic container and some Teflon tubing and some 3D printed parts, but it consistently the, or some O-rings consistently, those three items are like, um, returning the, in, the investment through the affiliate links of people building that project. So, um, I also look at that in terms of the well-rounded content. Like I don't want to make just content that is capable of generating income. That's not like my, that's not my job and that's not my like goal in life. But mm -hmm. if one project out of 15 can generate enough income to um, pay for my other project supplies, uh, then it's sort of, uh, it's a wash, right? Like where my YouTube channel can sort of make itself not an expensive hobby. Yeah, that's a, yeah, I entirely agree with that. And I guess, I guess that's a great way. Of, yeah, I guess if you if you included your time though, I guess, I guess it's always in the back of my head. It's like, well, it's a lot of fun. It's paying for my hobbies, but then if I include my time, you know, I'm getting paid, you know, seventy five cents an hour or something, something like that. Mm -hmm. it's, that's always my. But we also learn doing that, it, so we true. get a lot of experience. It's very true. So. Yeah, I tend not to think. Try to. It's. 
I look at statistics when they will be encouraging, not when they'll be depressing. So like I try not to do that math ever. Um. No. <laughs> I hear a lot of people uh, suggesting like, yeah, check out your YouTube analytics and that tells you what you need to do. And they don't tell me anything. Like, you know what my YouTube's analytics tell me? <laughs> It's so depressing. Like I try to keep track of my my female to male audience ratio. And I know it's only reporting on people who are logged in, but like my, and, and steadily, they say, what's that saying? Like if you measure it, it will improve. So if I, I figure if I look at my gender balance and my viewers, hopefully I can do something to um, continue towards a balance, right? But it, I think it's just, true that the content I create is segmented and <laughs> like I look at my overall percentage and it might like improve from month to month but then I'll make like a collection in the analytics of just my last 10 videos and it'll be all 100% male viewers and the really the the and then I figure like well where are the female viewers coming from it's one popular beaded bracelet video <laughs> that I have that's doing really really well in um suggested Uh, like re recommended it's showing up in the sidebar a lot it's getting recommended and it's showing up in search and it is it's true it's the canonical video about how to make this particular type of beaded wrap bracelet that is from my jewelry class at Instructables and it's also and the reason it's I picked it to do is because it's a popular um, method and, and I thought I, I saw an opportunity to make like the best video about this bracelet and it worked well uh, 99% 95% of so the viewers on that, that video are female and That's where, like, when you look at my overall statistics for the last year's worth of content or whatever, yeah, sure, maybe it looks like up to 20% of my viewers are female, but I think it's just that up to 20% of my viewers are watching that video only. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I... I so, it, oh, sorry, it just says do more jewelry, I guess, if I want more f female viewers. It's true that the analytics don't tell the whole story. You have to interpret them properly. You know, most of my, um, a very good percentage of my viewers come from a video about a terrible video I did about how to take apart a laser pointer. So that's, you know, I don't know what that, what that says, <laughs> you know, I guess. Maybe it was just the best quality. It was, uh, I, yeah, it might be the best quality out there, but that's actually kind of surprising. So, um, it's a fun thing to do when you have a project idea is go and see what videos are there. And, and I, I become very encouraged if I can't find an under seven minute long, concise, well-filmed video about the topic. I'm like, Oh yeah, then I'm definitely doing it because <laughs> I have an opportunity to fill that that thing that people want to click on first when they look for that topic. I had videos that I spent weeks or months on building the project and then editing it to perfection as, as good as I could, you know, to my perfectionist standard. Uh, and that gets maybe 2,000 clicks. And then I upload a video that I took in 30 seconds without even a single cut in it, uh, just something I do in the workshop. And I upload that to Reddit. I get three times uh, that traffic in a single day instead of over a few weeks. So... It is yep. really weird what what people watch and what people don't watch. Yeah, it's not. It's definitely not correlated to the amount of effort you put into it. It's about it's about uh, that content space. Like where what is what are well in, in terms of search. Like what are people if they're searching for the beaded wrap bracelet and there's no clear like great one there, then yours can become that great one. So maybe your 30 second clip was like exactly what people wanted to see where that other thing was just like, it's not what people are looking for right now. Or there could be a, uh, a version of it that seems more appealing upon search. Yeah, that's true. I, I think too, like you have to like, I feel like you have to find a balance between, are you making this because it's something you find interesting or are you making this because it's, this is what people want to see. And I, I think that's always something you know, maybe I struggle with a little bit. I, I don't know about. It has to be both. Like you can't, 
<laughs> or just the former. You can't create good. I mean, you could disagree with me. This might be an uh, inflammatory opinion. I, I believe that you can't create your best content if you're making it only because it's the thing you think people want to see. If it's not also the thing you're excited to make, then it's going to turn out not very well. And, and if you can create things that are things that you want to create every single time, and sometimes they happen to be things other people want to see, then that's that balance I'm talking about where you can continue to make whatever you want to create. And then hopefully that content that is super, super appealing to others can help um, improve the value of all of your content so that it's all welcome. Like my channel wouldn't be my channel if I only made the video, the types of videos that get the most views. Yeah, no, I, I entirely yeah. agree with that. I Actually, one of my... One of my worst performing videos, I, tr I tried to make something that was, you know, had some mass appeal or whatever, and it just, it just did terribly. So I guess it's just, just got to do something you find interesting. You have to do something you find interesting. And then even if it's 30, if some, regardless of the amount, like the size of the production, so whether it's a multi-day production with multi cameras or it's a 30 second clip you filmed with your cell phone, you have to publish with the idea that anything you make could be your most popular thing. So even if it's, a 30 second video, you have to have enough follow through to realize that and, and not just throw anything away, like allow anything to become your best uh, advocate. So if you have a 30 second clip, like make sure your tags and descriptions and, and annotation, not annotations, what are they called now? Cards are like all in line so that if, if people do pick up something that does get popular on Reddit, the people who are viewing it can then like, uh, have tendrils to get into your other content or, or otherwise like preserve that, that audience value for you. Yeah, I noticed that um, when you made this video about, um, you know, moving into a new apartment in New York or looking for a new apartment, I thought like that's really brave that you diverted from your regular content of making stuff to just, you know, finding a place in New York. There's a lot of making hacks in my moving tips um, video involving um, like, how to organize your boxes so that the movers put everything in the right place or like how to have like a really, um, how to have your moving day go really smoothly that I feel like is related to being a maker and having those organizational, organizational skills about like the, the way the process breaks down. But um, my tagline is I make videos about technology crafts and my life in New York City. And although I wish I made more videos about my life in New York City, that is squarely within my, um, my brand, my content brands promise, but I realize that I don't make as many over, like over the top of your head, New York city videos. But like, if you look at my, how to install LEDs under my, my Bluetooth controlled LEDs under my scooter, that's also a life in New York city video. Mm -hmm. It is also technology and it is also crafts. <laughs> well, that's, that's cool. It sounds like. Sounds so like from my like perspective, that one was right on brand, but I wish I could make more videos. Like I really would like to make a video about owning a pit bull in New York, but it'll be a big production. So it hasn't quite gotten done yet. Sounds like you put more thought into this than maybe uh, Max or I have, or at least I have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's, I live it all day you. long. That's, that's that's how it should be. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, and, you know, before uh, before we forget, I guess, well, should we, um, I guess I should call out our, our sponsors. Should, does that sound, sound good, Max? Oh, d definitely, yes. Okay, so first of all, our Patreons, we, um, you know, we're going to call out our top five Patreons. And right now we've got three, so we're, we're calling them all out. Give them a good shout out. Um, old school DIY at GFC 62. That's a parentheses, I guess. And then positive waves. And of course, Stephen Booker, the Chaco Taco himself. So, 
Um, I guess <laughs> not that he's a Chaco Taco. That's that's his icon on Twitter. So just to be to be clear. So, so and he's our very first Patreon. Our very first so. Patreon. So that's that's cool. And we appreciate it. He's every- got that for, for a long time, you know. Yeah. So yeah, we, we appreciate all that. And you know, if anybody else wants to jump on jump on the bandwagon, we'd uh, of course appreciate that too. So. And we just need a few more patrons to cover our costs. So yeah, that's, that's a good go. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, that being said. Thank you very much. <clears throat> yeah. So do we want to talk about where, you know, we can find all of us or do we have anything else? Anything else you want to talk about today, Becky? No, I think we covered some fun ground. I can I can g- give people a wrap up around where they can find my stuff. Though, yeah, if you want. sure. Where can we find you? Well, I'm all over the place. You just search for Becky Stern, you'll find me. Sorry, other Becky Sterns on the internet. <laughs> um, but um, on my YouTube channel, on my Instructables page, uh, on Instagram or Twitter. And um, I put out content a couple times a month. And um, you can always find out what I'm working on um, on my website too, BeckyStern.com. BeckyStern.com. Okay. Well, what about you, Very Max? Well. Where, can we, where can we find you? Um, mostly on my YouTube channel, Max Maker with the green logo. I think you find me there. And on Instagram, I post some pictures around the workshop and from my daily life as well. Um, and yeah, on Twitter, I don't really use Twitter. I don't I don't find it appealing. <laughs> How about you, Jeremy? Well, I, I do actually use Twitter quite a bit. I'm at Jeremy S. Cook there because I guess I guess other Jeremy Cooks in the world, you know, I don't want to step on their toes too, too, too much. But you, Jeremy S. Oh, you're Cook. too kind. Yeah. You're too kind. You didn't take it from well, you them. Know, you know, when I first started, whatever... <laughs> I realized there was a news anchor in Britain called Jeremy Cook. And I was like, well, I probably can't compete with that guy. So anyway, I'm, I'm Jeremy. You sure yeah, can. Well, when I was in high school, I was like, oh, that's Becky Stern, landscape photographer. I'm coming for you. <laughs> All right. Well, Sorry, if she's listening. Actually, I'm sure she's yeah, very nice. She, she might be. Well, anyway, let's, let's get, if you ever need landscape photography, you know where to turn. That's also <laughs> another Becky Stern. Becky Stern, but, yeah. Um, that knitting lady. <laughs> um but yeah, as for myself, you know, if you search for Jeremy S. Cook on Google or DuckDuckGo or whatever your, uh, <laughs> um, that's your, that's what I use. But anyway, um, and then on YouTube, of course, I'm Jeremy S. Cook there too. Jeremy S. Cook on YouTube as well. So I'm not Jeremy S. Cook too or anything. That'd be, that'd be totally ridiculous. Yeah, you can write him an email at complaints at jeremyscook.com. Yeah, or hi at jeremyscook.com or info because Max decided... These are actual mail addresses. Yeah, these are... I'm not sure I have complaints. Well, but aren't you the default on your own domain so you don't get... It It, it used to be, this isn't the case anymore, but it used to be I'd get all... Anybody wrote anything to beckystern.com, like any email address at beckystern.com, I would get the email. Really? That's not the case anymore. I wish it was. Oh, wow. that'd be... But that's the way most domain, email domain, can you can have it work can that Can you set way. it up that way? Because I'd, I'd really, I would really like that. I, and not that the, uh, when I managed my own domain, hmm. yeah. I had it set I might up have that to way. Talk to, uh, Send me an email at whatever at jeremyscook.com. This is old. This is, I, this is a long time I ago. Hate, I hate you at jeremyscook.com. <laughs> yeah. Hate. Well, that way you... Ideally, it would um, account for typos that way. And it's like a sysadmin thing to do. It's like, oh, I'm getting all the emails so, so that in case something needs to be looked up, it's huh. there. Well, you, wow, you really know, you really know a lot from knitting to Arduino to web hosting <laughs> to 
you know, probably... I'm just your regular, well-rounded nerd. Don't ask me anything about Dungeons and Dragons or Star Wars, though. Yeah, I, I do like Star we're not, Wars. We're not, uh, not so much Dungeons tested and podcast. What's that? <laughs> we're not the tested not podcast. Not the tested podcast. <laughs> yeah, we, we are not that. We're not quite that popular yet. Probably never. You know, they they always have um, Adam Savage, uh, you know, freak out about cosplay. And I, I know he's really into it, but I really don't think that Norm is into it. But he still acts <laughs> like he is. Oh, Norm. Be nice to Norm. He's very Did kind. you ever meet him in real life? Yeah, oh. yeah. We, we had this uh, friend, Will Smith. We had him on a show once. That was oh, good. Oh, yeah. Norm's, Norm's former coworker. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Well, I like him. I still I listen to the podcast, of course. Yeah, they're both really nice. But I just don't, I don't believe him when he says he, he likes cosplay too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've, I don't believe him when he says he likes drones, but that doesn't mean he does. I think he's just, he has an affect. Oh, we should believe him. We should believe him whenever he says. He's interested says in technology. He he's, he's thought, he's thought. Yeah. A lot of cosplay has technology. He's thought deeply about his brand, just like Becky has, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's better. I mean, and it is true from a personal brand perspective. It's better to be pro things than it is to be anti things. That's true. I I I, I, I don't yeah, know I if guess. it's true or not. I, I'll have to take. Yeah. I assume that's right. From a maker perspective, because we're all about positivity and actually oh, yeah, generating of course. Yeah. cool stuff. Yeah. I'm not talking about. If I'm an animal rights activist. I'm not. I'm going to be. And anti you should to be <laughs> pro the things that your boss likes, like Adam Savage. <laughs> yeah pretty much you know if my boss wants to talk to me about I football mean, i talk about football. that's how i feel about cosplay like i appreciate watching other people make cosplay but as the former director of wearable electronics uh i cosplay was not my main draw but it's an important part of wearable electronics creating replica weapons that only previously existed in cg like oh actually manifests the fantastical and that's very valuable learning tool but it's not what i'm personally drawn to because of the because of the fandom aspect of it like i'm not going to make the halo energy sword because i don't play halo and even if i did i and wanted to make a, a prop weapon i would have more fun designing my own fantastical prop weapon than i would like meticulously replicating something some other art that someone made but that's just my particular style like i'm not a good um what do they call it? not a good geek in terms of fandoms and um appreciating other people's artwork as much as some of those people do so i kind of faked it about cosplay a little bit too in my enthusiasm um <laughs> So me and Norm, solidarity on the <laughs> cosplay is pretty okay camp. Yeah. I bought a prop. It's a Poyos Hermanos t-shirt from Breaking Bad. <laughs> that show was pretty great. I never watched oh. uh, Breaking Bad, but I do speak Spanish. So I, I, I gather that that's a chicken joint. How, how come you never watched it yet? I just couldn't get into it. I don't know. Okay. Well, it's a great show in my opinion. but You watched. I heard it's great. Well, you yeah. watched it uh, twice, right? All the way through. Oh, a few times now. Did, did you ever watch the uh, Spanish language remake of it? I've heard that's not so the good. The Spanish language one? Yeah, I, I guess it was made. I, I don't know. I asked. Um, I, anyway, I, I uh, just randomly. I, well, this another story. But anyway, it, yeah, there's a Spanish language remake of Breaking Bad. It's called like it's something. And the title is something Spanish. I can't remember. It's, it's does not Breaking Bad exactly. It's like. Yeah, yeah, metastasis metastasis yeah metastasis i'm <laughs> <laughs> just looking at it now it looks like a joke yeah i've heard it's not so good <laughs> hey, Be becky since you you speak spanish what is metastasis is that 
I don't know. I can't see what word you're looking uh, at. Good, good <laughs> my vocabulary. So it's metastasis. <laughs> it's one of those audio podcasts, I guess. Oh, it's like a me- me- metastasis. Isn't that what um, um, butterflies do before they become butterflies? Oh. First, they are. So maybe it. Um, maybe it implies like a chemical reaction. First, they're caterpillars, and then they're butterflies. So it's changing, morphing from one state to the other. I think. So a metamorphosis is the, is that word? Exactly. Okay. Metamorphosis must be metastasis. That's Breaking Bad. Which? Well, and like if a if a tumor metastasizes, what does that mean? I don't know. This is my second language too. I'm, I'm assuming it's. Uh, it means it like gets worse. Oh, which makes sense because the guy has cancer. The spoiler, I guess. For oh, I don't think go. that's okay. Well, I don't need to watch it now. <laughs> <laughs> you should really look up metastases and just look at the artwork of Walt and Jesse. It really looked like a, I don't know, like a Saturday Night Live sketch or something like that. I'll look it up right now. Yeah, don't worry. I think it's a good uh, point to end the show. Thank you very much for being our guest, Becky. It was really fun learning a bit more about Arduinos and RSPs 82 and so on. Okay. That, is, that is really funny. <laughs> ESP 8266. Pleasure to have me. Thank you so much. It's been uh, lovely chatting yeah, with you. Very good. Right. Thanks for coming on. Bye-bye.